Well, as we continue our series, Destination Known, over Romans today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. If you want to go ahead and turn there um, in your Bible or look, follow along on the screen, or I also uh, update the Bible app, so there should be a live event in the Bible app if you use that to follow along with. We're going to be talking about a little bit uh, about progress today, progress. Uh, we know that Christian life is about progress. We're constantly progressing towards our end goal, which is ultimately heaven and which is ultimate to be as Christ-like as possible. Um, so let's begin. How many of you have ever decided that you're going to lose weight? Just wondering. I mean, I've been there. I've recently lost over 100 pounds, needed to, could stand to lose at least 50 more. Um, which is embarrassing to say after you say you've lost 100 pounds. But uh, cheat days are something that I have discovered that are a hoax. Cheat days are a hoax. Whether it's cheating on your diet or you decide, hey, today I won't go to the gym. When you cheat, it becomes that much easier to cheat again. So don't use cheat days. What ends up happening is you find your way falling back into old habits, and eventually you end up putting on more weight than what you weighed in the very beginning. Uh, Jerick and I did this uh, diet one time before we got married, um, which didn't really hurt her as bad as it hurt me, but it was this HCG thing. And it was these drops that you had to take, and it was supposed to like, get your metabolism going. Uh, to begin, you had to fat load. You had to fat load. This is the real thing. So it's like, hey, eat whatever you want for four days. For four days, you fat load. And so I was like, Chinese food and ribs and and then the four days came, and I didn't stop. <laughs> it came time to start taking the drops, and, and yeah, that didn't work. So I just continued with the Chinese food. The issue that we have there is that a lot of times we look at something and we say, just one time or one last time, and then I'll stop for good. Then I'll go back. I'll get back on track, or I'll turn things around. How many times in life have you said one last time or just this one time, and then you ended up failing? A lot, right? Probably more than you care to admit. More than I would care to admit. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is talking to the Roman church because they had a misconstrued view of grace. Misconstrued view of grace. And what it looked like was this. If we sin and God gives us grace, then we should sin a whole lot more and God will give us a whole lot more grace, right? Just one more time, but, but Scripture shows us, and Paul shows us here in this passage that we're getting ready to look at, that when we die with Christ, we live with Christ, and sin is no more. So this is the first thing I want us to understand, that experiencing grace demands that we extinguish shin, sin, not shin. Don't get rid of your shins. Experiencing grace demands that we extinguish sin. Romans 6, 1-7 through 7 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. 
See, Paul poses the very question that we just talked about. Should we continue sinning? If we experience grace, shouldn't we continue sinning so that we can continue to have more grace? And he answers himself very clearly, by no means, by no means. My Bible nerd is coming out this week. I'm just warning you guys ahead of time. Like I got really excited about this passage. I was breaking out all the old Greek texts and looking at different things. And so stay with me because some of it you're going to be like, what does that mean? But I'm going to explain what it means, okay? So just know, Bible nerd, a little bit out this week. Wanted you to uh, be aware of that. This is a very, very rare piece of scripture. It's very rare because it's written in the operative sense. Okay? And that denotes a prayer or pleading. So this isn't just Paul making a statement, by no means. This is a prayer. He's pleading with the people. By no means do you continue to sin. By no means do you continue to sin. Just because you have experienced grace does not give you free reign to sin. It's good that we look at people from all different backgrounds, no matter where they come from, and that we love those people. That's a wonderful thing. That is a godly thing. But God's grace is not an invitation to sin. And sometimes I wonder if we look at sin too loosely. If we look at sin kind of like a, a kid in high school does when the subject of drinking comes up, right? Now, not all of you were like this, but I will admit I was like this. When the subject of drinking came up, I didn't want anybody to know that I had never had alcohol before because I didn't want to look like a square didn't want to look like, you know, kind of a loser. So when that subject was brought up, oh, yeah, man, I've had stuff to drink before. I've, I've done that before, right? And we look at sin in that way, and, and we see sin, and we almost look at it as if it's cool sometimes. I think we're a little too loose. We look at sin, and we say, oh, that's okay. We all sin, and sin happens, and, and God's grace will cover that. And, and all that is true. All that is true. The struggle with sin is a very real thing. We don't become perfect overnight as a Christian. But what does happen, what does happen is that immediately, immediately upon being buried with Christ, we are dead to sin. Immediately upon being buried with Christ, we are dead to sin. We literally, literally share in Christ's death. He continues uh, to state, says uh, in verse 2, we are those who have died to sin. It's written in the aorist active indicative tense. Want to say that again three times fast? Aorist active indicative tense. It denotes a past completed action. Our death to sin is done. Our death to sin is done. So when we look at progress in the Christian walk, we have to fully understand that at no time after turning our lives over to Christ are we to ever be okay with sinning. Are we to ever look at sin and say, I'm just progressing? Or it was just this one time. Sin is supposed to be something that makes us completely and totally uncomfortable. When we die with Christ, we also live with Christ. We rise anew. And the new us can't be the old us again. We will never, ever, ever, ever again be comfortable with sin in our lives. Or the sin in the lives of others. Once we have recognized the right from wrong. Once we have died with Christ Jesus. To sin again feels foreign. It's suffocating. I think that you all would kind of know what I mean when I say that. Think about times when you sin. How do you feel after when you recognize your sin in that action? A little uncomfortable, a little squirmy, 
feel like, man, why did I do that? What is wrong with me? Those are common thoughts, I think, that go through our head at times. See, grace takes and removes hell from the equation. Completely removes hell from the equation. But it will never remove the discomfort of being separated from God. Verse 6 shows us that our old self is forever gone. Because to die with Christ is to live with Christ. Second thing I need you to know. To die with Christ is to live with Christ. In verses 8 through 11. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This verse begins with a conditional statement. If we died with Christ, then it stands to reason that we also share in the resurrection that he obtained. This isn't a future-focused verse. This isn't one day we will be resurrected. This is a right-now verse. This is saying right now that when you die with Christ, you die to sin, you are a new creature. You are a new creature with a new focus who says that sin has no part in my life. You can read that verse and you could think, well, one day I'll be in heaven, and that's what it's talking about. And it is. It is. But it's also talking about the here and the now. The here and the now. Sin is gone. Sin is gone. To die with Christ is to live with Christ. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Our desire must be to find ourselves wherever Christ is. Christ mastered death. He conquered death. He died once and for all, as Scripture tells us. Paul is screaming at the top of his lungs here. Don't think that you can abuse the grace of God that he has bestowed upon you. It's a devotion. It's a willingness to enter servitude. We look at verse 11. It's written in the present middle imperative. Now, again, I warned you. Present middle imperative. It dictates that verse 11 is an ongoing habitual command, meaning that over and over and over and over again, God commands us, Jesus commands us to do this. Verse 11 tells us, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Living in a way that says, I am saved to serve, not I am saved to sit. means that we live in a way that says, I'm saved to serve, not saved to sit. I think the wording there is a little weird, right? Alive to God. He lived alive to God. He lived to God. He lived in devotion. He lived in servitude. And that's what we are supposed to do as well. Three, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Jesus commanded this of the woman that he saved from stoning in John 8:11. We all know the story, right? The Pharisees brought the woman before him and they said, we caught this woman in adultery. The law says that we should stone her. Jesus bends down and he begins to write in the sand. And he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And he bends down again and he writes in the sand. When he looks back up, they're all gone. And he asks the woman, he says, have none of them condemned you? And she says, no, sir, they haven't. 
And he says, well, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Romans 6, 12-14, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For all, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. To you who belong to Jesus, what is sin to you now but dust in the wind? What is sin to you now but dust in the wind? Sin is yesterday. Sin is yesterday. And when I say that, I mean the love for sinful things is yesterday. Do we still sin? Unfortunately so. But the sinful things that we've done in our life are put to death with Christ's death. And when we are raised anew, we have a new focus, a godly focus, a focus that says, sin shall not live in my mortal body. Verse 12 tells us to let have... Let sin have no place in your mortal body. 13 tells the church to let no one in your midst offer themselves to sin. Our chains are gone. Our chains are gone. We have been set free. Your sin does not have to have a foothold in your life. Hear me on that. Your sin does not have to have a foothold in your life. That's a concept that I honestly have not always grasped well in my life. There are times when I think that I just struggle with this certain sin and that's just the way that it's got to be. That's just what it is. I struggle with this sin and that's my life. But Christ conquered sin once and for all when He died. And when we put our faith in Him and we experience the grace that He gives us and we die with Christ, we live with Christ, and we too have the power to conquer that sin through Christ. No longer do you have to look at the day-to-day struggle and say that this is my life or this is just how it's got to be. Because the fact of the matter is that's not true. That's not true. You can take the reins of your life and you can steer them towards God. You can steer them towards God and you can offer yourself up as an instrument and you can say, God, here I am, use me. God, purify me. God, take me and, and whatever you see fit to do with my life, let's do that. You have that ability. You are a literal weapon of God. A literal weapon for God. Because we are in a battle with sin. We are in a battle with sin. And that battle with sin happens daily. We are all faced every single day with multiple opportunities to come up short. To choose the wrong way. But that does not have to be our life. Because here's the truth. In the end, sin cannot and will not win. Sin cannot and will not win. If you put your faith in Jesus, I'm telling you right here, right now, today, that the grace you experience is only the beginning. Amen. But God will help you in every battle that you face on a daily basis. We fight along the greatest conqueror in the history of the world. We fight along the greatest conqueror in the history of the world. He took the sin of all mankind. He went willingly to a cross, was beaten, was bruised, was broken, was nailed to it, had his blood shed, all so that you could experience death with him 
but more importantly, so that you could experience life with Him. So that you could experience life with Him. Do you live with Christ? Do you live with Christ? I'm not asking you if you know who Christ is. I'm not asking you if you at times in your life have experienced Christ. I'm asking you if on the day-to-day, do you live with Christ? In everything that you do, are you living with Christ? See, that's the question we all have to answer. That's the nitty-gritty of all of this. We can see grace and we can experience that grace and we can see what a wonderful, magnificent gift that it is. But if that grace is just something that we say, well, it allows me to continue sinning, like some so often in the church are prone to do, then we come up short of what grace was supposed to do. Because grace is supposed to bring us in right relationship with God. And it does that through us putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And on a daily basis, we need to live with Christ. And we need to be living, breathing examples of the Christ who loves us. And we need to share Christ. We need to be inviting people to walk through those doors. We need to be asking to pray for people. We need to be seeing if there's ways that we can help those who are struggling around us. We need to let others know that a life of sin is painful, but that life does not have to be that way. That there is something greater out there. That they were created for a special and specific purpose and that there is so much more there for them. And if we're living for Christ, we will be a light in a dark world. Because if we die with Christ and we live with Christ, we are resurrected with Christ, then we share a piece of Christ. And we too can be the light in a world that says, your sin is bigger than you, your sin is better than you, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. God says there is. And he did something about it. So daily, are you living for Christ? Because what progress is, what progress is, is constantly becoming more and more like Christ. But progress is not continuing to sin. And progress is never accepting sin and saying that I'm moving in the right direction, but I'm just not there yet. We are dead to the old. We are alive in the new. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and there was so much going on in my head this week about this passage and as I prayed for you to use me as a vessel, God, I pray that your message got out. I pray that people see that we are alive in you, that we die to the former selves that we were and life doesn't have to be a constant struggle and life doesn't have to be a focus on the negative. God, you gave us your son Jesus who is the ultimate light to shine in a very dark world. 
And you call us to, to take up that stance, to, to see ourselves as resurrected, new, wonderful beings. Help us to be people who share that light into this dark world. Help us to be people who say we will go beyond these walls and we will invite people to come back inside of them and, and we will talk to people about Jesus and we will pray with people when the need arises and we will just love others like, like God loves us and we will love others like we would want them to love us. Help us to be a church. Help us to be people. Help us to be a group that says sin has no place here. God, we know that all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of your glory, but together with you and with each other, we can, we can overcome the things that have grips and holds in our lives. We can overcome the things that make us feel unworthy. You've given us that power when, when you sent your son to die on the cross and when he raised himself up from death, God, he, he confirmed that for us that we too could conquer sin, but God, we can't do that outside of the walls of Jesus. We can't do that outside of the realm of you and, and, and we need to all just live with Christ to dive head first into Christ's love into who Christ is and to do everything within our power to, to replicate his being here on earth. We ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen. I'll be over here to the right ready to pray, ready to talk with you about whatever struggle it is that you may have. If there's a sin that um, has a hold in your life no matter what it is, let's talk to me about that. Okay? It, the first step to overcoming any issue is sharing that issue. We are not meant to handle things internally. We are not meant to isolate ourselves. We are meant to bear each other's burdens. We are meant to be a family. And when you come to me, I swear, I promise. I shouldn't swear. I should let my yes be yes and my no be no. But I will tell you that there will be no judgment from me whatsoever you've done it there's a chance I've done it too probably worse okay don't leave this place today with a burden on your heart some of you today may say I'm not a Christian come talk to me about that come talk to me about what it means to die with Christ to live with Christ don't don't hesitate okay some of you will say, I know who Christ is and, and, and Christ has been meaningful in my life, but I have let other things get in the way of that focus and I just need to rededicate myself. I need to say that I will no longer let sin have a foothold in my life, but that I will live fully in the strength of Christ Jesus and, and God. Come talk to me about that as well. If any of you would desire to become a member of this church, I'd like to speak with you at any moment from here to the rest of the day. Talk with me, and we'll talk about the process of making that happen and stepping out in that direction. We would love to have you. We would be honored to have you as part of our congregation. If none of those things apply to you, stand and worship God. Sing to God. Because he sent his son to die for you so that you may live with him.